Welcome to When Things Go Wrong, a show about what to do when things you expect to go just fine simply don't. Often it has nothing to do with what you did or what you didn't do, and yet it affects you in profound ways. I'm your host, Frank Sapovitz, and I've spent more than 30 years creating, managing, and producing major sports and entertainment events. And on this show, we'll meet fascinating people from all walks of life and business who had to manage difficult problems, often under tremendous pressure. You'll hear from pros who'll show us how they have avoided disaster or managed a crisis when one happened anyway. Today's episode of When Things Go Wrong is extremely special for me, and I think it will be for many of you as well. Each one of us and the world at large has been facing challenges that were simply unimaginable a little more than a year ago. Yet there are those among us who have, in the face of all the tragedy, division, and despair in the world, have not missed any opportunity, any moment, to bring just a little bit of joy back into our lives. And one of those rare individuals is my friend Rob Paulson. If you have about three days, you can read about halfway through Rob's screen credits on imdb.com. Yes, friends, he's an actor, the kind that is most often heard but not seen, except at events like Comic-Con, animation conventions, on robpaulsonlive.com, and at countless appearances for charities. At the pinnacle of his career, he was faced with the most terrifying and humbling news that anyone, but especially a world-class voice actor, can receive. To get inside the mind of Rob Paulson, let's meet someone that his talents bring vividly to life. From the Animaniacs, please welcome Yakko Warner. Hello, Frank. Yakko Hello, here. Yakko. Thank you for joining us on well, When Things Go Wrong. It's my great pleasure. Trust me, having lived in Rob Paulson's head for many years, things go wrong pretty much daily. So, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in fact, the last time Rob Paulson had a CAT scan of his brain, the doctor said, I don't see anything. And I thought, boy, you got that right. <laughs> Maybe he was looking at the cat. Who knows? That could be. He scanned the cat and the cat is no longer. But the fact is that <laughs> Rob Paulson and the cat have about two things in common, which is that they shed and they are incapable of responding to humans in, in any way that's remotely cogent. Now, the, <laughs> well, the fact that I found a cartoon character to use the word cogent is pretty damn cool. That I don't know how you incorporated that into, <laughs> into your spiel, but tell us a little bit about how you met Rob Paulson and a little inside scoop about him besides the CAT scan. Well, I'm so glad you asked. I met Rob Paulson years ago when Mr. Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, that is not Larry Spielberg, who is your gardener, but Steven Spielberg, that Steven Spielberg, decided to do a show called Animaniacs. And in doing so, found some way to take pity on a guy named Rob Paulson and suggested that he provide my voice. Now, mind you, this has been my voice forever. I've lived in the damn water tower for 37 years, give or take. And Rob Paulson just came on the show in about 1992. So he is essentially the conduit. Whether he conduit or not is really up for the audience to decide. But trust me when I say he usually can't do it, but I found a way to make sure that he can. And uh, it is definitely a challenge to work with Rob. A little bit of inside baseball. 
the only thing that Rob is worse at than acting is playing hockey. And it's the other thing that really floated Rob's boat. He really wanted to be a professional hockey player, but trust me, the, uh, the hockey world didn't miss a thing. In fact, the only people that really were sorry that Rob didn't become a hockey player is the dental community. Other than that, I, you know, he's pretty much a knucklehead. I, I've actually seen Rob play hockey, and I think you're selling him just a little bit short. Oh, okay. Well, next time you go talk to the guy who did your LASIK, tell him you want your money back. Because uh, <laughs> the, the, only, the best thing Rob knows about hockey is that he likes to watch it on television. But uh, you're, you're a hell of a good guy, Frank. And thank you very much for you taking pity on Rob as well. Well, thank you, Yakko. And, and I'm going to welcome uh, Rob Paulson to the show now. Welcome. Hi, Frank. Well, that was pretty interesting. I, I, uh, <laughs> the fact that we were able, like I said, to, to get a $100 word or two involved with, with Yakko Warner is always a pretty cool thing. But honestly, and your audience needs to know this, um, this is a true privilege. Uh, I have had the good fortune of knowing Mr. Sapovitz uh, for, oh gosh, it's, well, 30-ish years. 25, Something 30 years. Like that. And, uh, you know, like most of us, we do things like live and make money and take care of our families and all of that. And um, I think, no, I know the one of maybe a handful of glorious uh, circumstances as a result of social media podcasting has been precisely what I have the privilege of doing with you right now, Frank. It is such an absolute joy to be in contact with you, chatting with you, knowing your son, knowing, you know, his, your grandchildren. It's just a marvelous experience that people like our parents would never have been able to do when they lose touch with folks they went to high school with, or they used to work with, or they, they got to know during a business thing that's it. Then the next thing they hear is, oh yeah, Rob Paulson died. You mean his career? No, Rob, he really died. And they never got a chance to get back in touch. But this opportunity that, uh, you know, the folks at, at Black Barrel Media and, and all this technology, this is an absolute gift, Frank. So thank you so much for doing this. This is oh, great. No, thank, thank you. And and you know what? Thank you for taking the time to, to do this with us. Oh, Our geez. listeners are going to get an enormous amount out of this, I'm sure. My pleasure. I, I was totally serious, Rob. Your filmography is ridiculously impressive. Thank you. Uh, over your over your career, besides Yakko, who we've met, we've you've voiced a couple of Ninja Turtles. That's uh, right. Uh, a genetically modified mouse from Acme Labs named yes. Pinky. Yes, that is I. Narf. <laughs> and tons of other characters. You, you've even been a singing mini wheat in a cereal commercial. You where, know what? Where did you think your career would be headed after that one? I, I, well, like I said, I, 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 well, what I've said before, maybe not today, but you're speaking with someone who essentially makes his living a pretty nice one. Thank you very much. Doing what used to get him in trouble in seventh grade. Um, what a country. I, I, uh, I am the perfect example of what happens uh, when, when that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. I have been, like many, an actor for a long time, and I came out to California ostensibly to do live action. Um, frosted many weeks notwithstanding, uh, in 1978, I was a singer who became an actor, was doing itinerant theater around the country, 
decided it was time to jump into the big kids pool, came out here and was doing um, what one would suspect, live action TV movies. In those days, it was uh, St. Elsewhere and Hill Street and MacGyver and half a dozen features and a lot of commercials like any other young actor. Then the opportunity uh, presented itself in the mid 80s in the guise of Transformers and G.I. Joe. And my agent said, you ever thought of doing animation? I said, well, sure, but a handful of people do all of it. And um, the response was, that's true. But there are some new shows coming around and syndication of uh, animated projects was starting to really take hold. And things like uh, videotape and DVDs were on the, the short time horizon. And I just wanted to work, man. But this is when the opportunity presented itself. I was prepared. And boom, that's how you get lucky. Uh, I had driven out here to Hollywood from Flint, Michigan. And um, uh, I knew that I wasn't going to get lucky uh, back in in Motown or in, you know, anywhere in the, in the, in the mitten. And it was uh, either go to New York or LA and LA had the cool beach and I love cars. And that's why I drove four times as far. Um, so that's how it happened. Um, but like any other actor, I just want to work. And I don't know whether it's that small town Midwestern work ethic. Certainly you're the same way. You're not from Michigan. It doesn't matter if you're the sort of person who, understands how incredibly fortunate I was in the lottery of life just by being born into a family who loves me in the greatest country in the history of the world that shame on me if I didn't follow my Jones, whatever that was. Um, so I'm just glad that I had the sort of ego that really didn't, it really wasn't about being famous. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm flattered when anybody, you and Chris included, make a fuss over me. Uh, but it is not what drives me. And um, I just am so grateful to work and the opportunity to be creative and get paid American dollars to work with the most gifted actors in Hollywood. And talk about a high tide raising all boats, Frank. You, you can't not get better when you're surrounded by the folks that I've gotten to spend 40 years with out here. It's a, it's a remarkable thing and I am profoundly grateful. And, and that's how all those things went right. We're gonna yeah. talk a little bit about the things that didn't. Yes, sir. So, so according to the laws of cartoon physics, <laughs> gravity has no effect on a moving body as long as the character doesn't realize that it's suspended in midair. Exactly. Ask the coyote. Well, Ask Wiley Coyote. Exactly. Yes. Now, now the trouble starts <clears throat> when they do realize that they're in the middle of the air. There's no ground beneath them. Yes, but, sir. But but you, Rob, you're a real human being. Yes. As and humans can get sick mm -hmm. even if they don't know they're sick. You, you faced a moment in your life when things went terribly wrong a few years ago, especially yeah. for someone in your business. Mm. I did. Tell us about that. Thank you. And and. I should preface this by saying I am so grateful, not only for the wonderful opportunity to, to speak with my friend, but the opportunity you're giving me to, to uh, expound on and expand my particular circumstance. This is, this is where this technology is so important. Um, 
in a purely altruistic human uh, way. Uh, five years ago, almost to the month, uh, no, uh, February of 2016, um, I went for my yearly physical to my, uh, <clears throat> to my internist, whom I'd known for, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, I had noticed on the left side of my neck a lump probably six months previous, but uh, having been a weekend warrior, and like most guys, unless you can't operate your limbs or you're bleeding profusely and, and you can keep it from your wife, you just don't go to a doctor unless you really have a problem. And I didn't think I had a problem. I felt the lump, didn't hurt. I was not having a problem doing my work, wasn't losing, losing um, precipitous amounts of weight. Uh, I did a little, you know, a slight dive on uh, Google. It could have been cancer. It could have been a low-grade infection. I said, let's go with a low-grade infection. And um, But I did have my physical. So I took my doctor's hand. I said, what do you think about that? I put his hand on spot on my neck. And I promise you, five seconds, Frank, he said, I don't know, Rob, not good. And I said, oh, come on. I thought he was yanking my chain. Um, and he said, no, seriously, you need to get this looked at yesterday. In fact, you hang on. I'm going to get an ENT on the phone. On the phone. And uh, with that, I had um, a, uh, a meeting with an ENT doc an hour and a half later. I was at Cedars in LA. And my doctor said, if you can go in to see Dr. Hop today, will you go? And I said, well, yeah, I, I reckon you sound pretty serious. He said, I am. You got to go see him right now. And I did. Uh, and about two weeks later, after a little sticking and probing and uh, a series of biopsies, it was determined that I had stage three metastatic squamous cell carcinoma with occult primary. And what that means is uh, that it was staged at three because the cancer had already spread to the lump on my neck. That was not the primary. Um, the diagnosis said occult primary and is precisely what that word means, unseeable. Um, the primary tumor from which the cancer had spread was at the base of my tongue, in my deep in my throat. And interestingly, the tumor was probably as big as the tip of my baby finger, you know, little finger. And the, the uh, the lymph node was swollen as a result of the cancer. Um, so the protocol was, uh, in my case, not surgery, but aggressive chemo and radiation. Uh, in fact, uh, I had the most wonderful initial experience with my radiation oncologist, Dr. Henry Ampolsky, uh, a brilliant uh, radiation oncologist uh, who hails from Russia and is a huge hockey fan. Um, we talked about the nineteen, you know, the uh, nineteen seventy two Canada Cup and the Summit Series and uh, the nineteen eighty U.S. Olympic. I mean, it was fantastic. But upon meeting him for the first time, he knew what I did for a living. He had kind of sussed me out and knew I had a real healthy sense of humor. So he walks in and he says to me the following with his. Russian accent. He says, Mr. Paulson, it's pleasure to meet you. Uh, let me say, first of all, I feel certain we can cure you. Unfortunately, before we do, we almost have to kill you. 
And I started laughing because the the oddness of the situation, the, um, the, the strange irony wasn't lost on me. Clearly it wasn't on him, but he sounded like Goldfinger. He saw, he reminded me of that great scene, you know, where Sean Connery is laying spread eagle with the laser beam coming close to, you know, Mr. Bond's private area. And he says, you expect me to talk, Goldfinger? And he says, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And it was exactly what I thought. And I, so I started laughing. And Frank, on my mother, he looked at me and he pointed me, he said, don't lose that. What you're doing right now, don't lose that humor. He says, is is important as medicine. Is it like medicine for you? Don't stop laughing. It will help you so much. And my God, was he ever right. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what happened. And it was uh, the, in my view, the ultimate when things go wrong, circumstance for a guy who does what I do. Uh, But this opportunity you've given me uh, and others uh, with this wonderful podcast shows all of us how we can kind of make lemonade. You know, if you kind of settle down and you are able to take stock, it, it doesn't always have to be like, oh my God, are you kidding me? There's a way through it, and um, and it's important to explore it. So that's and human yeah. is part of that medicine. Amen. Oh, part of the antidote, without question. In fact, you probably recall at the back of Reader's Digest. You know where I'm going. There's always a little section. Laughter is the best medicine. I never forgot that, and of course, I am predisposed to humor anyway. It's part of my ethos. It's like air to me. But I always went there, whether I was in a doctor's office or my grandparents' house to read Reader's Digest. I didn't care about what Roy Rogers was doing with Dale Evans. I wanted to go read the jokes. So I co-opted that and said, laughter of best medicine. And the cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. And I'll be damned, Frank. It is absolutely true. And not just in a cursory, oh, it's nice that you can laugh. Folks. I am here to tell you the ability to tune in to that which makes your soul happy, that can make you laugh for the sake of laughing, is is arguably just as important as as the chemo and the radiation. And I can say that anecdotally, but I'm telling you that every one of my docs who are now going to be a part of my life till I punch my ticket have all said to me, the same thing. In fact, they've asked me on more than one occasion to, would you mind talking to so-and-so about this, about that, specifically to try to juice up the laugh gene? It's, it's, It's important, folks. It really, truly is. Humor is best when it's shared. And, and frankly, it goes along with the, with the, notion that not every problem you're faced with you have to face alone amen you can you can help your own situation by sharing your point of view sharing with others and and you can bring them into helping them 
solve your problem as well. You had a mentor through this adventure uh, in Jim Kelly. Yes, I did. And Jim, boy, I'm so glad you brought up Jim. I did have a, uh, a mentor by a Jim because I was aware of his throat cancer, which in his case, I think uh, not only, I think it was invaded his tonsils, if I'm not mistaken, but also he's had to have part of the roof of his mouth, the, the, the palate at the top of his mouth removed. He's doing really well. But talk about a profile in courage. I, I like everybody with a pulse who's a football fan, love Jim Kelly. I mean, how many, you know, consecutive Super Bowls didn't win. Who gives a sh damn? Excuse me. It's not about that. Jim Kelly can throw a football better than most humans ever. But Jim Kelly, post-football, and with respect to what he's done for head and neck cancer awareness, just by being Jim Kelly, just by showing up at the ESPYs at, what is he, 6'4", you know, 6'5", in his playing days might have been 6'5", 250, but now he's 6'5", and maybe a buck 85. He is a giant, irrespective of what he looks like. And so Jim Kelly was a mentor to me just by being Jim. Once I had gotten through my own cancer, uh, the kind folks at the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, uh, shameless plug, no, not shameless, I'm very happy to plug it, headandneck.org, uh, Mr. Kelly was the spokesman for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance for a couple of years. And it's difficult for me to even say this without amazing myself, that those fine folks reached out to yours truly after Mr. Kelly and said, hey man, with what you do for a living, we think you can be really an, be a really effective spokestoon. Would you be it? And before they got interested out of their mouths, I, I couldn't say yes fast enough. Then I got to meet Mr. Kelly on Zoom, but it's difficult not to flop over when you're talking to a guy who's a hero to millions, but specifically a hero because of his just the way he moves through his post-cancer life and the way he dealt with his initial diagnosis. Oh, and hey, Jim, sorry, but it's back. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, this is where your, your humble guest has the, hasn't shut up for 35 minutes, but this is where I get a little tongue-tied. I've been through it now with the first go around and hopefully the only time. It's brutal. It has to be. Dr. Yampolsky's remark was true. They almost do have to kill you. It works like a charm. But if the, if, if the devil knocks again, it's a totally different ball game. That's when they got to start cutting on you. And we saw what happened to Roger Ebert. Mr. Ebert was an example of not only incredible courage, but sadly an example of what happens if it doesn't get taken care of. And it's not a, nobody wants to go, but it's a really lousy, ugly way to go when they have to remove half your face. Mr. Kelly has had to have not only surgery that affects his speech, not to the extent that he's uh, uh, not understandable, but his courage is so much bigger than a 300-pound lineman coming after him. 
he's able to stand up in front of people who know him as Jim Kelly, the Hall of Famer, and work through uh, what is going on with his mouth and what he looks like and, and deliver the most powerful, strong message that is so far beyond a paycheck, a Super Bowl ring, whatever. Mr. Kelly is a bona fide superhero. And to be able to be part of that uh, circumstance is a compliment that I, I will, and a privilege that I will never uh, take for granted, ever. If I ever need to take, uh, uh, if I ever need to, to remind myself how to, how to behave, how to make it work, what a real courageous gentleman looks like in the face of pretty difficult odds, all you got to do is watch Jim Kelly for a few minutes, and that's how you operate. It's and, remarkable. And, and understanding what he went through and being able to share what you went through, share with each other, yeah, that that had to that had to actually help both of you, I think. Well, oh my goodness, happily for all of us, you're back to voice acting. Things are good. New episodes of the Animaniacs have yes. launched again on, on Hulu. How about that? Mazel tov. Congratulations. Thank In you. In fact, the show generated a record number of social media mentions of any Hulu original series opening weekend. Is that right? That's wonderful. Yes, it, yeah, that's true. I've done a little bit of research wow. to find all these things out. That You know, I had been given things that were like, the metrics are a little different with the streaming platforms. It's not like the Nielsen's, but but we get them. And I knew it was doing exceptionally well, but I did not know what you just mentioned. That's fantastic. Well, I'm here for you. Um, <laughs> now, now, Rob, before we leave, yeah, you've been yeah. involved with charities for sick and disadvantaged kids and, and incredibly generous with your time and talents. 550,000 people yeah. will be diagnosed with head and neck cancer in 2021. That and something? you're the spokesperson now, the spokestune, as you called it, for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance. Yes. Uh, tell us about that organization and how our listeners can donate to the cause. Thank you. Uh, that's very kind of you. And yes, sadly, that is the, um, I think it's about the fifth or sixth leading cause of cancer in the world. Now, mind you, in, I believe Mr. Kelly's case, uh, by the way, Michael Douglas was also the spokesman for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance before Mr. Kelly. All of us have had cancer that is a uh, an HPV-related cancer. Uh, before it became so prolific as a head and neck cancer, it was responsible for many cancers in young women and older women uh, with respect to cervical cancer. That was how the um, uh, uh, Gardasil, the vaccine, was developed for young women uh, to check out with uh, their parents and the pediatrician to be vaccinated against HPV-related cervical cancer later on in life. Now, uh, the FDA has approved Gardasil to be given to young, young men and boys uh, as a preventative measure to keep them from getting the type of cancer uh, that also took Eddie Van Halen's life uh, and affected me, Jim Kelly, Michael Douglas, and a half a million others, sadly, around the world this year. So please, please, folks, chat with your pediatrician. I understand, especially now with COVID, that folks are a little bit reticent to get vaccines. I understand that. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is to 
chat with your pediatrician about the pros and cons of any vaccine. But if you can prevent this, your children from going through this down the road, not only will you save them possibly their lives, but it is a brutal treatment. It works, but it's not necessary. Okay. Under many circumstances. So to learn more, you can also go to headandneck.org. H-E-A-D-A-N-D-N-E-C-K, all lowercase, all one word, dot org. You will see yours truly talking about my experience with respect to head and neck cancer and great real-time, wonderful, authentic information that you can discuss with your pediatricians or your own doctors if you feel that you may also uh, uh, have something that's worth looking at. The good news is that, as I said, and Mr. Kelly would uh, testify in a more eloquent way than I, uh, it is eminently treatable. It works. The treatment works. And folks, 10 years ago, the treatment would have been what we might call barbaric. My treatment 10 years from now, five years from now, might be considered barbaric. But the bottom line is it is curable. I am cured. I am not in remission. That is what I was told at the beginning. Remember, Dr. Yampolsky said to me at the beginning of our conversation, I feel certain we can cure you. And that's what happened. So that is why this opportunity you're giving me is so important because we're talking about a cure. And then after. Yes. What what techniques or processes, whether they be physical or mental or emotional, were you able to use to get back to acting either while doing chemo or after? I uh, was told to, uh, and it sounds trite and convenient, but it really is true, um, to listen to your body, to say, uh, you know, Rob 2.0 is different. And I will be, I was permanently uh, changed. Not, I believe, for the better. My sense of empathy is world-class. When I am now asked or I choose to be involved in someone's uh, circumstance that is very difficult for them health-wise, and I either figuratively or literally am holding their hand and say, buddy, I get it. I really do get it, Frank. And there's no way to get it at that level unless you go through it, whatever it is. And so there are people listening to us who can say, boy, I lost my child. I lost my husband. I lost a limb. And I didn't ask for it. It was a curveball that life throws all of us. No one gets out of here, Frank, without a couple of dings. No one. But if we're fortunate enough to have people around us People like friends like Frank and others, Jim Kelly, Gordie Howe, a great wife, great family, wonderful doctors to help us through all of the things that happen when things go wrong. We do have a choice to find ways to not only help ourselves, but as you alluded to at the beginning of this wonderful conversation, it is absolutely true that what I have gotten back as a result of making myself available to help vis-a-vis -vis my cancer 
utterly dwarfs what I have given. It's incalculable what I have gotten back. The opportunities that I have gotten as a result of my cancer, in my view, leave me with a platinum lining that is uh, an example of which is what we're doing right now. You are giving me a bully pulpit from which to, to talk about this. And it's important. It's life-saving information. And, and once your life has been saved, and in my case, I don't taste food the same way. I can still taste food, but after a couple of bites, it's gone. Now, if you had said to me six years ago, okay, here's the deal. You're going to go through this, but you probably aren't going to be able to taste food for a couple of years. And once you do, it's not going to be the same. What do you think about that? My knee-jerk reaction was, oh, my God, I can't imagine living. I can't imagine life without being able to eat Indian food or Greek food or, wait a minute, a, a killer steak at um, Peter Luger's in New York? Are you kidding me? I can't go there and blow out a knife with my friends and drop 100 bucks on a steak and not enjoy it? Why, why bother living? Well, I'm here to tell you that there's more to life than a Peter Luger steak. And the upside of Rob 2.0 is when I do taste a handful of Cheez-Its, it's like tasting manna from heaven. I, I am, and I'm dead serious about this, folks. I am so good now at living in the moment. I am so good about, as our friend Ram Das said, be here now. Even God can't change the past. What happens to me tomorrow, two months, six months from now, is dictated by how I behave right now. And so I'm very cognizant now of what that means. And it is a discipline. But it was kind of foisted on me because I had a choice to either deal with it or feel sorry for myself. And I chose the former. And, I'm, and, and, and I didn't just do it alone. Nice folks like my friend Frank and other folks at the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance are giving me opportunities to do it. But then when I tell people that not only can I do this beforehand, but now I can do it after. Frank, we don't know when somebody who's listening to this, even years from now, can say, hey, Dad, I... I, I I know that you're freaked out about your diagnosis, but remember how we watched Animaniacs and then we, we watched it when it came back and we watched it with our grandkid, your grandkids? Do you know that that guy, I don't remember his name, Ron Pullman, but he was on Frank's podcast. Do you know that you can't tell the difference, Dad? This guy had what you had and he went through the treatment and Steven Spielberg brought him back. He couldn't tell the difference. It doesn't, that's the good news, dad. That's what's important. Not whether or not I got a check for doing Animaniacs again. The, that's the great news about all of this. Somebody's going to be able to share that with somebody who's going through the most difficult time of their lives and they're freaked the you know what out. But somebody's going to be able to put their arms around and say, listen to this guy. Listen to him sing again. 
and and he had all the chemo and all the radiation, you're going to be fine. That's why this is important. And I cannot thank you enough for giving me the opportunity. Well, what a, what an inspirational story, Rob. Thank you so much. Our, our guest today on When Things Go Wrong has been voice actor extraordinaire, <laughs> Rob Paulson. Well, thank you. it's been Rob most of the time, not all of the time, but most of it. Hey, be sure to download Rob's audiobook, Voice Lessons, How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and an Animaniac Saved My Life. And, and frankly, I think, Rob, you saved your own life, too. Thank you. It, that, that book is available on uh, from Audible on Amazon.com. Thank you so much, Rob, for joining us, and thank you for bringing your friends with you. Oh, it's my great pleasure. In fact, if you'll indulge me, I'll end this on a little musical note. Because as you, as you alluded to, uh, Yakko's World, thanks to my genius friend, Randy Rogel, who wrote the original and had 11 minutes on a Tuesday, said, hey, Robbie, you know, the world has changed since that song was written. So I reckon we should add a, an extra verse to uh, elucidate the countries that have sprung up since I wrote that song. So if you'll indulge me, I will leave your audience with the updated verse to Yakko's World. Uh, and, uh, it'll give them something else to wonder about how the, you know, how, what a drinking, what a cool drinking game that'll be. Okay. Maestro, the floor is yours. Grazi. Grazia. Here goes like this. <clears throat> Montenegro and Bosnia, Herzegovina, the Soviet Union is gone. South Africa, Georgia, Moldova, Latvia, Belarus, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan. Hey, Kazakhstan. Hey, then the Tajikistan too. Hey, hey, Turkmenistan. Hey, Kurdistan. Armenia, Tonga, Palu, Lithuania, Serbia, Kosovo, U.S., Samoa, the Balkans, Brunei, Macau and Crimea, then Eritrea, Ukraine and Estonia. Here's Macedonia, New Caledonia, Eastern Slavonia, Ivory Coast and Cape Verde, Andorra, the Solomon Island, Dubai. Goodbye. That's all, folks. Learn more about how to plan for and survive the inevitable blips, bloopers, and blunders of life and business in What to Do When Things Go Wrong, available in hard copy, ebook, and audiobook from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. I'm Frank Sapovitz, and remember, if it hasn't happened to you, it just hasn't happened to you yet. The When Things Go Wrong podcast is produced by Chris and Mandy Wimmer and is a production of Black Barrel Media in association with Fast Traffic Entertainment. You can find more Black Barrel Media shows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. For more background on this show, join us at Black Barrel Media on Facebook and Instagram, at B Barrel Media on Twitter, and on our website at blackbarrelmedia.com. See you next time, if all goes well.